Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Well, hey there. Thanks for listening to Leading Simple, where we are on a mission to help the overwhelmed. I think that includes every single one of us. My name is Rusty George. I'm honored to be a part of your day, and we have some great content for you today. On this episode, we are going to continue our discussion about mental health, and we have an individual that's going to join us who has helped out countless marriages by talking about he and his wife's struggles and successes, and you're going to get to hear from Dave Willis here in just a little bit. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to RG3, which is sponsoring our episode today. RG3 Productions is professional video production from conception to final cut. And if you have a story to tell, a product or business to promote, sports highlights to share, or anything in between, they can do it. I know the people that work at RG3, they've helped us out immensely at the church. They're a local company here in the Santa Clarita Valley, but he will travel and serve you uh, wherever you are. You can contact RG3 at rg3prods, P-R-O-D-S, at gmail.com, rg3.prods at gmail.com, or you can check him out on Instagram at rg3.productions, and we'll link to all of this in the show notes. Well, today we are going to hear from a friend of mine named Dave Willis, who I met at a church in Lexington, Kentucky. I was at one church on one side of town. He was at another one. We got to know each other, and he's been such a big supporter of what we do, and I love to support what he does because he and his wife, Ashley, have a ministry called XO Marriage and run the Naked Podcast. I know you're a lot more interested in that podcast than mine. Uh, They have helped thousands of marriages, and their books and resources have been a blessing to so many. So without any further introduction, let's jump into my conversation with Dave Willis as he helps us with good mental health in our marriages. Dave Willis, thank you so much for joining us. It is an honor to have you on the podcast. I think I've known you for years, uh, going back to our days in Kentucky. Uh, are you born and raised Kentucky, uh, bleed blue, the whole thing? Well, I definitely bleed blue, which is painful as an SEC football fan living in Georgia when we tend to not do as well during football season as we do in basketball season. This year was rough, uh, more rough in basketball. But yeah. even though I bleed blue, I was not born in Kentucky. My wife, Ashley, is a Kentucky girl through and through, born and raised in Lexington. I got to Kentucky in third grade and just stayed. So it's it definitely feels like home for me, but I was born across the river in Indiana. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that, uh, that's excusable. No problem. Uh, so I was in Kentucky for nine years and we crossed paths a couple times and you were in a ministry there and then ended up kind of, uh, walking into marriage ministry. Tell us a little bit about your journey from, um, you know, being a, a pastor on staff to now doing marriage ministry and why marriage ministry? Yeah, it was one of those things that we didn't set out. Ashley and I didn't set out to say, hey, let's go do marriage ministry when we were starting out. It's just that's the path that God had for us. And we didn't see it at the time. But um, rewind the clock back to Kentucky. You know, we were we were serving at a church there in Lexington. Um, I think maybe one of the first seeds for marriage ministry that was planted in our heads is there was a a very visible moral failing with the leadership in that church where uh, two people on staff fell into an affair with one another, and it just caused all this wreckage. And I thought, man, 
you know, when marriage isn't done right, like there's so much pain that's caused, not only for the people involved, but a ripple effect that just impacts so many others. And then, mm-hmm. you know, years down the road, I'm still a pastor, still in ministry, and I'm just noticing so many of the the emails I get and so many of the the counseling requests and the prayer requests, they were all coming back to marriage, either directly or indirectly. It has something to do with marriage. And it just sort of became this kind of burden on my heart. I'm like, Lord, this is a crisis and I've got no idea what I can do to fix it. You know, I'm not James Dobson or whoever, but, but if there's a way that I can encourage couples, just show me how I can be an encourager. And, and I think that's what kind of freed us up to get started is, is sort of like God, we felt like he was nudging us saying, you don't have to be an expert, just be an encourager, Mm. you know? And so marriages need encouragement. And so that's, that, that freed us up to say, okay, we don't have to have all the answers because we were just, you know, young kids at the time. We still don't have close to all the answers, but we knew how to encourage and pray for people and cheer them on. And so we started a Facebook page and just called it Marriage because I couldn't think of a clever, more, you know, n- any cooler name. So I was like, let's just make it clear. So people will at least know what it is. And we called it Marriage. And, um, you know, nothing happened at first. I think my mom liked every post for the first few months. And then eventually, it it took off like very unexpectedly and it kind of formed its own community. And, and out of that one Facebook page, you know, we started to get our thumb on the pulse of what people were going through. We started getting lots of messages and really understanding kind of the, what people were dealing with in their marriages. And that's, that's guided everything we've done since, you know, the, the books and the podcasts and, and through that journey, long story short, I've already probably made it too long, but you know, we, we transitioned out of church ministry uh, as a full-time pastor a few years ago, and now we're serving, you know, the whole church as best we can, working for a parachurch ministry uh, called XO Marriage that uh, was originally called Marriage Today, and just loving getting to work together with my bride and getting to encourage couples wherever we can. And let's see, you guys have how many kids? We have four boys, all boys. So. My pray for my sweet wife. You know, she's wow. the most feminine lady and, you know, she's got a house full of testosterone. <laughs> Which reminds me, you you wrote a book uh, about raising boys. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. I thought it was a great read. Well, thanks, man. Um, it's called Raising Boys Who Respect Girls. And again, the, the title just kind of sums up what the book's about. And just growing up, seeing you know, seeing all the different ways that that society has has failed in teaching that lesson mm-hmm. and all the different ways that, that women have been objectified. And then even sharing a lot of my own story that, you know, I I was exposed to pornography as a teenager and it, it kind of, you know, it, it, it created this path for me where I would try to stay away from it, but I would fall back into it. And that, that cycle continued into early adulthood, early in our marriage and caused a, you know, a lot of pain in our marriage. And we talk a lot about that in our marriage ministry. And so I've been free from that for many years, thankfully, but seeing the, just the ramifications of porn on our culture mm. and how it's changed the way that people, you know, look at their bodies, look at the opposite sex, look at sex itself and just remove the sacredness of it. And so it's a lot about that as well. It's kind of talking about all the reasons why pornography is so dangerous and what we can do about it. But it's also, talking about the lessons we need to teach our sons to, to really make them more like Jesus and how they relate to women. Cause Jesus was the perfect example of a man respecting women, the way that he interacted with women, every encounter in the gospels we see of Jesus interacting with a woman. It's the, it's a perfect example of, of care and tenderness and respect 
and all the things that we're still called to do today. Is it possible to porn proof your boys? I mean, in the culture in which we live, uh, the images that they see on TV and not just TV, but just walking down the street. Um, I mean, certainly the stuff I see in LA is a little bit different than you might see in, uh, Texas or, uh, you know, Augusta, Georgia. Um, but just with all of the stuff out there, um, what's the best thing that a family can do to really protect the minds and the eyes of their kids? Yeah, that is a great question. I think that it is number one, like not, not in any way shaming the way that God wired them up to be. Um, I think that some of what drives drives kids into things like pornography is a curiosity that's fueled um, by us as parents teaching about these things in the wrong way. We're, we're, we're shaming them for having any curiosity or we're shaming them for having a sex drive to say, no, God, God gave you all that. Mm-hmm. Like he, he gave you a curiosity. He made human bodies beautiful. He gave you the sex drive. All of that is a gift and it's a gift that's meant to be expressed in marriage. But when we do it the world's way, and we cheapen it and we we look at other people just as objects and um then you know that's really where it hurts the heart of god and it ends up hurting ourselves it ends up hurting other people and so i think one of the simplest things we can do and the, the first story i tell in the book is a story about this is just being this try to be the safest place on earth for your kids to process what they're seeing what they're hearing about mm. you know our kid came home from the first day of eighth grade and and there were you know he was telling stories of kids sending you know, naked pictures of their genitalia to each other. And and that was his first exposure to eighth grade. And he was, he was asking about it. And internally, we're like completely freaking out, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you know, but externally, we're like, no, we can't freak out to him. Mm-hmm. We've got to be the safe place for him to like process this and help him see why that's so out of bounds and why there's so much brokenness and how he can be something different. Said, so, because if we, if we just freak out about this, then the next time he's just not going to tell us. Right. And so we've got to be able to say, man, I'm so, thank you for trusting us with this. Thank you for sharing this. And I'm so sorry that you, you were exposed to that. And we're going to let the school know because that's illegal first off. And, you know, that's dangerous and that's wrong. And here are the reasons why it is. But, you know, you're going to be exposed to so many people sharing so many broken messages about sex. And I just want you to know, you can always come to us. And let us be, don't go to Google first. Don't go to that kid in the locker room first. Come to us first with your questions and we'll do our very best to answer you honestly and point you in the direction God has for you because we want to help you get this right. That's so good. You know, we've, we've tried to teach our, our, our daughters that I I have two daughters. So, um, you know, I'm living a little different life than what you're living. Um, but, uh, trying to, you know, help them understand just kind of how guys think and our culture and all of that kind of thing. And, and, and trying to let them know, you can ask us about anything. And uh, recently one of our, our youngest daughter came home and she had a picture she had taken of the storefront window of a store that's clearly a sex toys shop. And she said, okay, I don't understand this. What do these words mean? <laughs> and I, it was so <laughs> uncomfortable explaining what some of these things are, right. to the best of my knowledge. Well, and, you had to look up a few, but then you don't, yeah. want, you don't want that in your search history either. So no, exactly. exactly. Uh, Lori, look this up for me, will you? <laughs> um, but anyway, at the same time, like you said, you know, this internal dialogue of, don't freak out because you want her to ask you. But on the other side, you're like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. I know. I know. 
So I, I think there's an assumption, and I'm so glad you brought up uh, just some of your your struggles that you've had. There's an assumption that that people who are pastors have perfect lives, and people who do marriage ministry have perfect marriages. Um, talk about that a little bit. Is is it a little bit more like the plumber that's got the leaky faucet? <laughs> you know, are are we the ones that have the greatest struggles, or you know, what what have you noticed? Oh man, well, I don't. First off, we like freed ourselves a long time ago from trying to project any kind of illusion of perfection. Yeah. Number one, because it was just too exhausting to even pretend that. But number two, we realized like, I think that there's even been a shift in culture, at least I feel in ministry, that some of the pressures generations past had of like ministry families, feeling like they, they had to feel like they were the perfect family. Um, it seems like a lot of that's been removed because the facade's been lifted and we all realize like everybody's struggling. So what people are looking for now more than anything else isn't perfection. It's, it's just authenticity. It's honesty. And so for us, what that's looked like is that like when we're struggling with something, um, we, we talk about it, you know, and to thousands of people and, and we invite them in. Now there are obviously certain aspects of our marriage that are just for us because of the sacredness of how God designed marriage to be. But we just said, we're not going to, we're not going to put our wins out there on display and then hide our struggles mm. because that's going to, that's going to give people this false sense of feeling like there's this unattainable goal of like, they're this perfect couple. And we're so not like any, any episode you listen to of the naked marriage podcast or anything that we've, we've done or any talk we've given, we're always talking about our struggles. You know, Ashley's talked about the ongoing struggles she's had through the years with anxiety and depression and um, different things that have, that have helped her. God's helped her overcome that. And God continues to use that, that message, that part of her testimony to give hope to so many people. You know, I've talked openly about, um, you know, my past struggles with porn and still like the work that I feel like I have to do to maintain kind of a form of sobriety Mm -hmm. uh, from it to not fall back in. Um, you know, we talk about struggles we've had, you know, making dumb choices with money and, and, you know, all, all of it. So we just try to be honest of like, you know, this is, this is what we're working through right now. Here's some of what we've learned from working through things in the past. Um, and it frees us up from trying to be perfect, but it also holds us accountable right? because we realize, well, because God has put us in a position where there's, you know, there's some ministry influence, like if we fall, it's going to, it's going to hurt some people. It's going to hurt some people's faith. Not that anybody should look to anybody else's is any type of, of, of savior or hero. Cause Jesus is the only one of that. But, um, I remember when our pastor had that affair years ago and just, uh, how much it hurt me personally and how I saw people who were newer to the faith, leave the faith altogether because they just thought, well, if that's what Christian leaders are doing, then, you know, I don't want any part of this. And so it keeps us on our toes to say, Lord, you know how broken we are. You know how flawed we are. But for the sake of the gospel and the sake of, of the kingdom and the sake of our own family, like, mm. please just protect us from making stupid choices and please safeguard us from that stuff because we don't want to cause pain to people. Right. Yeah, that's really good. I, I think that that's such a breath of fresh air for people when people are authentic and and real about who it is they are. I mean, certainly where you live, you're in the buckle of the Bible belt, and there's probably a lot of expectations. Um, where I live, because of Catholicism, there's kind of this uh, pedestal they put people up on, and uh, the, the quicker we can remind people that we're broken as well, the, the better off it is. 
One of the areas of brokenness that a lot of us have experienced came through the pandemic. Um, what, what have you noticed in the people that you work with about what the pandemic did to our marriages? You know, we, we talk a lot on this podcast about feeling overwhelmed and a lot of us are overwhelmed with our own state of mental health and how that impacted our marriages for some of us because of anxiety and depression this only made it worse for others we lost control um, and we we kind of you know freaked out over that and now coming out of it there's a sense of uh you know kind of fomo you know how do we get back what we lost and it has an impact on our our relationships and certainly our marriages what are you noticing there and how how can we find help well i think you know i think we haven't even begun to understand all the ways that the world is different as a result of this. And we're going to look back a generation from now and tell our grandkids about, you know, how we lived through the time that really changed the way the world operated. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been a lot as it relates to marriage. You know, we've seen, um, we've seen, a uh, we've, we've seen an uptick in marriage struggles, people reaching out to us that are in crisis or people just divorcing. And I think that part of the cause for that is a lot of couples were kind of living, they were living on this autopilot where the reason why their marriage worked is because they were able to avoid each other. Mm. Like she was able to go do her thing. He was able to go do his thing. And they would, they were able to stay so busy with just life and sort of live like roommates that they never had to really deal with, with the issues and the ways that they had drifted apart. And then COVID pushes everybody back together into close quarters where for months at a time, you're like, living like pioneers in the winter, you know, you're, you're stuck in the cabin together and folks are just forced to deal with it. And, and it squeezed people mm-hmm. and it made some people stronger. It created some new, you know, some new good habits in some homes, but for a lot of couples, especially those who were kind of already on the brink, sadly, it, it pushed them into crisis or into, um, into divorce. And so we've been working overtime trying to create more resources specific to couples in crisis to help during this time. And, doing online events when we couldn't do as many live events. Um, so that's, that's the marriage side. And I think, you know, beyond that, like you mentioned, anxiety, depression, all that, you know, I've um, even personally experienced some of that, you know, I got COVID back in August and, and got sick. I mean, I was, I was pretty sick and then coming out of it, like my mind was in a fog and, and I, I felt anxious, like real anxiety for the first time. And, and I've looked it up and, apparently like 20% of people who had COVID, like it's an actual lingering after effect is this anxiety. Cause I'm like, what is this feeling? Um, and so I, I, you know, I've had that, but even beyond like COVID symptoms, I think just the uncertainty of the world and the racial tension and the, the, the social issues that we're facing and, and people are watching the news more, you know, because they're home more and the news has given us a lot of negativity and we've got to be so intentional about what we're feeding our minds right now. So like, even for me, I had to realize I've got to, I've got to unplug more because I'm living on social media and living on the the news cycle. And it's put me into a place where I'm not feeling more peace. I'm feeling more anxious. I'm feeling, I'm feeling on edge and I need to, Mm. I need to get away and have more silence. I need to spend more time with the Lord. I need to renew my mind with that because I, I can't cope, you know, watching hours and hours of, of news and scrolling social media and everything else. So I think that hopefully for all of us, it's kind of, it's forced us to to create some new habits that once the world does get a little more back to normal, and I think we're getting there now, we're going to be stronger because we lived through it. But I'm so ready to, I'm so ready to to leave it all behind. It's It's been a rough year. 
Okay, let, let's address um, the, the couple out there that they went through COVID and, you know, they, they not necessarily they got it, but they went through the pandemic and they, they made it out. They're not getting divorced, but boy, it's certainly, they had some tense moments in there. Um, what was, you know, how can they determine, all right, that was just a weird fluke. We were living on, you know, uncertainty. We, we, there was a shortage of toilet paper. We were freaking out Right. versus, okay, there's a real problem. We probably should lean into and get some help about how can you determine the difference between those two? And that is a that is a great, great question. And I think it's so nuanced because depending on the couple, depending on kind of their own history, their own personalities, what things looked like before the pandemic started, what those kind of triggers were that were that were putting them in in crisis mode and tension during the pandemic, if they were having fights and spats, um, to really look at all of that and to do it kind of do a diagnosis. You know, I encourage couples, and even in our own marriage, I encourage folks to sit down and say like, okay, when we find ourselves in a position of tension, like let's work backwards from that, mm. from that moment and say like, what led us here? Like, what is it that, that led us to this moment where, you know, we're all of a sudden we're really frustrated. Is it, is it just kind of like physical external things? Like, you know, we were, you know, hungry or tired or, you know, was it, mental things like, you know, we've got all this financial pressure. Is, is it, is it a money thing that's setting us here? Is it a miscommunication? Is it feeling disrespected? Is it sexual frustration? I mean, like just to get as honest as you can possibly get about like, when I get to that point of frustration, mm. this is the process happening in my mind. That's, that's leading me there because for, for most of us, like there's an actual process that, that our mind is taking a little path that we're being led on that leads us into that moment. And so start there. Like, I don't think you have to start out in crisis mode and saying, because we are, you know, kind of being a little snippy with each other, it means that the marriage is in crisis necessarily. But it does mean that we need to take a step back and out of respect for each other and out of wanting to have the best marriage we can, because that's what God wants for us. Let's figure out how we get there and, and why we keep getting there and what we can do differently as a result. And for a lot of couples, what's going to help them have those conversations better is to, is to talk with a counselor, to talk with that, that impartial outside voice. And that's the step that, that most couples aren't willing to take when it comes down to it, Mm -hmm. because they feel like, Oh no, 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 because we're not that bad or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But it's not just for couples who are one step away from divorce. I mean, counseling can be a game changer just by helping you have conversations you weren't having before and thinking thoughts you weren't thinking before and, and seeing some things you weren't seeing because it's somebody who can take a step back and help you see your situation objectively. So, you know, we've got a team of coaches through our ministry who can help you have those conversations just over Zoom or Skype. And uh, that site is exomarriage.com slash help. Mm. Um, so there, there are resources out there. You don't even have to go sit in a counselor's office anymore. You can do it right from home. Mm-hmm. But being willing to do that, even just a few times, I think most couples would see immediate improvement in their marriage if they would do that. Hey, we're going to take a brief pause from our conversation today to talk about this very exciting thing that's coming up. And sometime this month, we will hit 1 million downloads of the podcast. I cannot say thank you enough to you for doing this. It's because you subscribe and you share and you listen that we're able to keep doing this. And it is so fun for me to be able to be a part of your life. And we want to celebrate. 
And so as we hit our 1 millionth download, we're gonna give out several different gift baskets that are filled with Starbucks cards, a leading simple mug, and signed copies of all my books and some other goodies as well. All you gotta do to be part of the raffle for those gifts is go to pastorrustygeorge.com to register. Just go to pastorrustygeorge.com, sign up there for the millionth download giveaway, and we would love to put you in that, that raffle to possibly get that great gift that we're sending out. We're sending out several, so the chances are good. Make sure that you sign up for that today. Okay, thanks again. Back to our show. Most couples would see immediate improvement in their marriage if they would do that. I love that analogy and I love the word coaching. I mean, it's kind of like the the kid that there's two kids playing baseball and one he just plays as a hobby in his backyard and goes out for the team. And then there's the other one that's got like a coach that works with him and trains him. There's a dramatic difference. And I think that's so true in marriages. You know, counseling is not just for those on the brink. Uh, my wife and I have done that. We've, we've just had seasons where, hey, well, we try to be preemptive. Like about a year ago, we recognized... Our parents are about to start dying. Our kids are about to start leaving. Um, we're approaching kind of that next season in life. Let's go talk to somebody and help us at least think through um, what we should be discussing. So when it hits, we don't suddenly just lose our minds. And getting that coaching is so, so helpful for people. Uh, when I do weddings, I always tell the couple, hey, listen, I don't want to just be there for the wedding. I want to be there for the marriage. And so if at any point you need to talk, let me know. But, don't, but you know this. Oftentimes, the moment you find out, <laughs> you know, it's the train left the station, you know, yeah, a yeah. year ago or whatever. So um, the quicker you can, you know, sound the alarm, uh, the, the better off that you'll be. Now, I, I want to. I want to drill down on something you mentioned. You mentioned your wife struggles with anxiety, and then you mentioned that you kind of picked that up through COVID. I think you're pretty much like every single one of us. One of us in the home has a an actual mental health struggle with maybe general anxiety disorder, or maybe it's full-blown depression. Uh, there's a new term they're using right now called languishing, where you're kind of in between this failure to thrive kind of thing. I think New York Times just did a thing on it. Um, when you have a spouse that's struggling with that, what's the best way to help them? Uh, because I've noticed that when my wife is having an anxiety issue, the best thing for me is not to tell her to get over it or everything's going to be okay. What <laughs> right. are the best ways to help your spouse if they're struggling with some kind of mental health issue? Yeah, that is, that's a great question. You know, when, when Ashley was going through kind of the worst of her, her, ongoing season of anxiety years ago. And this was pretty early in our marriage. And I was so like unequipped to know what to say. Um, and so I just made a decision, like, since I know that it, the more I talk, the more I'm going to just say the wrong thing. Like, I just want to let her know that I'm here for her and I'm going to, I'm going to hold her when she feels like being held. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll pray with her when she wants to pray, you know, and listen when she wants to talk without trying to always just solve it, which is kind of the what we men tend to do is like, you know, our wife tells us a, a problem and instantly we're like, okay, here are the three ways to solve it. Let's not bring it up again. I gave you the solution when she, you know, she, she doesn't need it. She's already smarter than us. Like she could, she's already come up with her own 10 list on top of our three, but she wants, she's trying to connect with us uh, and share what she's feeling because in doing that, you know, she feels a closeness to us and, and, and it lets her know we're in it with her. And so it's just letting them know all that to say, it's letting them know, like, look, I'm in this with you. I'm not going anywhere. 
um, I love you. We're going to get through this. God's going to carry us through this. You know, wh- whatever you think would help, I support that. You know, if you if you want to go see a counselor, we'll 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 find money in the budget for that. If you need it, whatever it is that you need, you know, I'm I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. And just reminding that, and, and not only with anxiety, but I think most stuff you go through in marriages, it, it comes down to that. It's like reminding each other, like, look, I. I don't really have the answer either, but I'm here and we're going to face it together and God's going to carry us through this and I'm not going anywhere. Mm. And, you know, do you want to, what do you feel like doing? Do you want to laugh? Like you want to watch some reruns of the office? I'll sit and watch with you. What do you want? Do you want to go on a walk? Do you, or do you want to just, do you want to sit here and talk? I'm, I'm here for whatever is going to help you feel better. And just knowing that you're not alone, because I, I think that anxiety is, is, is at its worst when it's, when it's isolating, which is really... The trick of the devil. I mean, Satan's game is to is to isolate. Mm-hmm. But when you look at God's plan, God's plan for healing, God's plan for life, it's always relational, relational relationship connection to Him, and then with each other. Mm-hmm. And so, anything in our life that is making us want to sell, to isolate completely, and I'm not talking about healthy solitude where we get away with the Lord. Sometimes I'm talking about isolation where it's like I'm going to deal with this on my own, and that's that's always the wrong instinct. And we need to lean into our spouse, lean into our, our friends and family and to the Lord, especially in those moments when we feel like leaning away. And if our loved ones going through that stuff, just remind them, I'm here for you and I'm a safe place where you can lean in. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that spouse out there or that individual out there who's a, a believer, a follower of Jesus, but their spouse is not. And you know, you love them, you have you have history, you have kids. Um, you don't want to divorce them. You shouldn't divorce them. But on the other hand, it's really hard because some of the solutions you want to give or the options you want to provide are prayer based, spiritual based, and 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 they don't they're not interested. Um, so yeah, you know how, how do you walk through that as somebody where you're the only Christian in the home? It's first off, I just just empathize of saying like I with so many couples we've helped and known and, and loved through the years. And that is such a difficult dynamic and it can feel so lonely. I've, I've seen, and thankfully I'm not in that dy- dynamic myself. You know, Ashley's, you know, faith is, is so strong and I'm so thankful for that. But if you are in that dynamic and you're a believer and your spouse is not, the, the first piece of encouragement is to remind yourself that you're, you're not alone in your faith because the Lord's always with you. I think mm. strengthening yourself in the Lord, encouraging yourself in the Lord, all those passages take on a new meaning um, when you're in that marriage and you feel like I'm the only one in this house who believes I'm the only one in this house to say, no, like, wait a second, Jesus is here with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I've got the Holy spirit here and and he, he's close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. I feel like when we're in a season of loneliness and we feel like, man, nobody can relate and I don't know where to turn. I think it's in those times that more than any other, we can experience the closeness of God in our lives. And so take comfort in that. Um, pray for your spouse. And yeah, it's it's okay to even grieve some of those moments that you won't be able to share with them the way you would like to, to really share your faith and to share prayer. But it's okay to to still tell them, like, I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know you don't, you don't yet share my faith, but I just want you to know I love you and I'm here for you. And I get so much strength and from my faith. And so I hope you find that too, because 
every good thing in my life I want to share with you. And this is the best thing in my life, but, but I, I love you no matter what. And I'm so thankful that you're my spouse. And, um, I think, you know, your, your love and kindness could be the very thing God uses to, you know, open their heart. Only Jesus can save somebody. You can't save your spouse, but, but your love and kindness might be the very thing that God uses to open, hmm. open their heart up a little bit to it. No, that's good. Really good advice. Okay, we've we've hinted at this a little bit in the the beginning of our conversation about raising kids, but you know the scriptures talk about sometimes that the sins of the father are passed down to the next generation and the next and the next. And you can see that some with alcoholism, you can see that with a porn addiction, maybe money problems or habits. Um, but what is the best way for a marriage to not pass on? the same struggles that maybe they saw their parents have, whether it was divorce or abuse or abandonment, um, negativity, criticism, those kind of things. How do you not pass that on to where the sins of the father become the sins of the children? Yeah, that, that is a great question. Well, I think first off, you have to know you're, you're not, you're not in any way doomed. Um, you know, you, you might've had really bad parents. That doesn't mean you're doomed to be a, to be a bad parent. You might've had really good parents, by the way. It doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be a good parent. You, we have to make the effort and the choices for ourselves. And certainly there are predispositions that all of us have based on our own wiring and based on what we saw and experienced growing up and the, the culture of the home we grew up in that can give us either a head start in certain areas or, a, or, you know, a step back in certain areas. But for all of us, we've got we've got the choice to say, I want to do it differently. And I think it comes down to intentionality more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I think sitting down with your spouse and saying, what are the things from our parents that we want to make sure we repeat? And what are the things that we want to make sure we never repeat? And and not to dishonor them. You know, we can we can respect and honor our parents without agreeing with everything they did. And sometimes honoring your parents in adulthood simply means forgiving them for all, you know, all the ways that they fell short and not holding it against them, but instead saying, God, I, I believe they were doing the best they could, but help me, help me to succeed in that one area that, that was always holding them back. And don't let that be repeated in, in my life or for my children. Let, let me be the one to break that cycle. And in those areas where we're willing to break the cycle, and my, my dad was one of those who broke the cycle. Like he had a, you know, he had a terrible father, um, you know, and I won't get into all the details of the ways he was terrible, but he was a terrible father. And dad, once he got saved as a young man, he had to be very intentional to kind of go against a lot of what he had seen and how he'd been raised to say, I'm going to change the narrative. I'm going to break that cycle. And he, and he really did. And I'm so thankful for that. And all of us have the power to do that mm. with God's help. We have the power to do it. That's great. Very encouraging. All right. Uh, three things someone could do to help their marriage. And I want to give this to you in three categories. So you can just do one for each. What's one thing that we could do this summer? What's one thing we could do this week? What's one thing we could do today that would make our marriage better? It's a good question. You're such a pro, Rusty. You've got the great, the great questions. <laughs> You're kind. You should have your own podcast. <laughs> well, one day. One day. One day. No, this um, great question. So this summer, um, I will do a little plug for an event we're doing because it's free, and it's also free whether you come in person or you stream it online. So this June, 
in Colorado Springs, we are doing one of our our big exo marriage conferences. It's going to be hosted at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, and you can come for free. So, have to register online. You can go to the exo. That's the letter X, letter O, marriage.com and register. It's totally free. No gimmicks. We're not going to sell you a timeshare once you arrive. Like it's just, it's a gift. And if you can't make the trip, we're going to live stream the whole conference for free as well. And it might sound like maybe you've never done a marriage event or maybe you have, and it was lame. And so you think that just sounds like the lamest way to spend a Saturday. I can imagine. I promise you, these are so fun. Like the the content, the speakers, like it is so much fun. I laugh so hard. I learn so much, you know, from the others who are presenting. I look forward every time to these events. And uh, that's something you can do this summer that will not, that will make a big impact in your marriage and no impact in your wallet. So nice. look that up. It's happening in June. So there's that. This week, it was this week and then today, today, today. okay. Yep. This week and today, I would say this week, um, plan a date night, you know, get, and it doesn't have to be lavish. It doesn't have to be um, expensive, but plan a date night. And maybe you've gotten out of the habit of, of doing that in your marriage, but get back into that habit. You know, so, sometimes a couple will come up to us and they say, man, things were, things were so much better back when we were dating in their meaning, like back before they were married. But I always say, well, why did you quit dating just because you got married? Right. I mean, if, if yeah. we'll keep that up. And it's just being intentional about time together. Go do something together that's just fun. Yeah. You know, go to your favorite restaurant. Go do something that it's going to make you connect and get in a new environment. And, you know, as stuff is opening up, it's a little bit easier. But even if you can't can't go out to a restaurant or whatever, go on a walk. I mean, go do something together. And so that would be mm. this week. Do a date. And then today, man, today. I would say today. Grab your spouse and kiss them like you have not kissed them in a long time, right? Just, and it might totally surprise them, but, you know, give them some real kissing. Because what can happen in marriage is, like, we we can get in this habit of, of giving little, just, we're like starved for affection, and we don't even realize it, because we're just giving little pecks on the cheek or a little hug here and there, and, and like that, like, true romance it's gone, or we just confine it only to to the to the bedroom, you know. However often, like, no, that's only for that. But outside the bedroom, mm-hmm. be affectionate, you know. And so, mm-hmm. get some good kissing in today. That's good. That's good. I heard a church years ago, and we've done this at our church a few times. They recommended a seven second kiss every day, and uh, that supposedly fixed marriages. So I like that. We'll see what happens. All right, buddy. Well, you've mentioned a few great resources for people. Uh, XOMarriage.com, XOMarriage.com slash help for some counseling and coaching. Uh, You have a variety of books out, Raising Boys That Respect Girls, I believe is what one of them is called. But the new one called Think Like Jesus, which is a great resource for people. But also, tell us about your podcast. Interesting title, The Naked Marriage Podcast. Yes. Tell us more. Well, we record all the episodes naked, and so it's, it's audio only for that reason. No, we're definitely not naked. Uh, there, there are a couple other people in the room, so that would get real awkward. Yes. Um, but uh, you can actually watch it, and we're fully clothed, but it's on YouTube and then iTunes and all those places. But The Naked Marriage, and it's also the name of our first book, The Naked Marriage, it's 
going back to God's design for marriage, the very first picture we get of a married couple, Adam and Eve, it says they were naked and unashamed. And mm. the picture of nakedness that God paints for us, it isn't just talking about their their naked naked bodies. It's not just a physical term, but he's really painting the picture of, of nakedness on an emotional and spiritual level because nakedness says, I've got nothing to hide from mm-hmm. you. Like there's nothing up my sleeve. I'm not even wearing sleeves. I see you exactly as you are and accept you and love you exactly as you are and invite you to do the same with me. And that kind of intimacy and vulnerability and transparency, that's what God wants for all of us. And we shouldn't settle in our marriages for anything less than that. And so that's that's what a naked marriage is all about. And so that's why we call it that. Plus the, you know, the title's catchy. If you hear the word naked, you you perk up a little bit. Yep. But it's about a lot more than just sex, even though we do talk about sex and try to be a safe place. Um, you know, we we hear from people that man in, in Christian circles or in the church, I've never been in a place where I can really ask real questions about sex. And we we try to be a place to facilitate that, not to pretend that we've got all the answers, but just a safe place to have those conversations. Um, because I think God wants us to have these conversations yeah. and, it, and it certainly is an important part of marriage. So, so check out the Naked Marriage Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. Well, Dave, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you for your ministry and what you and Ashley are doing. Uh, God bless you guys and your four boys. Wow, that's exciting. Uh, almost your own basketball team. That's fantastic. Um, but uh, grateful for you and your support that you've given uh, my stuff over the years. But uh, really, really grateful for all the, the stuff that you provided to help out marriages. Thanks, Rusty. And likewise, you you have impacted me greatly over the years and continue to and impacted countless others. And so praying for you and cheering you on and what you're doing and and. Um, yeah, my, my four-boy basketball team, we'd like, love to shoot some hoops with you guys. It, it's the shortest basketball team on the planet because they inherited <laughs> their dad's height. So we make a basketball team, but it's uh, it's not an impressive one. But they're, they're great boys nonetheless. <laughs> That's great. Thanks again, Dave. Well, thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share. That would just mean the world to me. And if you could leave us a review on the iTunes podcast, that would be a fantastic thing because it helps other people find out about us. I'd love to hear from you. You can DM me on Instagram at, at RustyLGeorge, or you can email me at rgeorge at reallifechurch.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.